this is Gina Foster, a 34-year-old mother of three, entered a highway, a freeway in Birmingham, Alabama. And she was going to pick up her youngest child from school. And as she emerged into traffic, she accidentally cut in front of Mrs. Shirley Henson. Uh, Mrs. Henson was the company secretary. She was hurrying home to uh, take her Labradors, her two Labradors, out for a walk. And Shirley was very disturbed by this merging vehicle, and so she flashed her lights. Well, things began to escalate there on the, uh, the freeway, and Gina put on her brakes. And ultimately, an altercation between the two vehicles began that lasted for several miles. Well, it escalated to the point that soon both women pulled off on a side road, and they stopped at a traffic light, and Gina got out of her sports car, and she approached the door of, of Shirley's car. And according to the police reports, Shirley, who is a, a, Cub, a former Cub Scout leader and she had a teenage son, she reaches over into her glove box. She took out a gun that she kept there. She lowered the window on her car and she shot Gina in the face. And Gina died on the side of the road. The life of a 34-year-old mother of three was gone in an instant. Now, that account from Bill Bright's book, written by the hand of God, is shocking to say the least. Road rage led to murder. Now, I pretty much guarantee had we asked Shirley Henson that very morning, if she were capable of killing someone like that over such a petty thing as someone merging out in front of traffic in front of her, I'm sure she would have denied even the remote possibility that she would ever do such a thing. But Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, False witness, blasphemies. First John 3.15 says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You see, that hatred that she developed over this person who pulled in front of her boiled up inside of her. And that hatred filled her heart. And before it was all over, she was holding a smoking gun over a bleeding corpse, over something as simple as being cut off in traffic. Now, today we come to the sixth command and we're studying through the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and we're taking them one by one. And as we come to the sixth command, this is one that we often glance at and we pride ourselves in the fact that we don't have to worry about this one. We, we would never be guilty of this one. And, and so we kind of congratulate ourselves and we go on our merry way. But I want us to pause a few minutes today and I think it'd be very wise for us to tarry and to ponder what this command is telling us. And I'm going to be very honest with you today. I'm going to be very blunt with you today. We're going to talk about some tough stuff. We're talking about some unpleasant stuff. And one of the things that preaching expositionally through the Bible forces you to do is to deal with some tough stuff. You see, if you're preaching through a passage of Scripture and you're taking it verse by verse, you don't just merely skip over. You have to deal with that which comes up. And today we have to deal with the sixth commandment. And it's not necessarily something I may have chosen off the cuff, but God has it for us here today. And I want us to consider it together today. The sixth commandment you remember is simply in Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. 
Or as the King James has it, maybe you memorized it this way, thou shalt not kill. Now, beloved, our society is captivated by violence, by killing and by morality. Not only is our society entertaining ourselves to death, but our entertainment has become death itself. As a society, we go and we plop down hard-earned money for a set of movie tickets, a bucket of popcorn, and then we proceed to fill our minds for a couple of hours on horror and gory scenes and scenes of utter brutality. We munch away on popcorns, uh, popcorn entertaining ourselves while on the big screen killing and murder and blood flows away. And scene after scene of this goes on, and, and not only at the theater, but also in the privacy and comfort of our own homes. And if that's not enough, you can become a killer yourself through the means of video games where you take the little game control and you become, in a sense, a killer. And you go out there and you begin to practice such gore yourselves and you blow away your opponents at will. And, and the more you blow away and the more that you kill, the higher your score becomes. Well, tired of that, we put the controller down and we flip over to the evening news. And the evening news is filled with crime scene after crime scene and murder after murder. And, 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 but on that episode, the, these are real people. These are not pretend characters. These are not Hollywood actors. These are men and women and families who've been brutally murdered and killed. And the question is, does it really bother us anymore? Have we become so adjusted, so desensitized, so used to murder and mayhem that we view it really without concern and without emotion and without compassion and maybe even without feeling itself? It's just something we've become accustomed to in our society. We have forgotten. We've forgotten about the sanctity of human life. We've forgotten as a society about the preciousness of life. We've forgotten that lives matter. And in the midst of all this, we come today to the sixth command. And I want to challenge you all and myself as well, fresh and anew today, to choose life. To choose life. Now, this command is only four words long. It's pretty simple. I mean, even a child can understand what it's saying. Uh, here in the New King James, it says, you shall not murder. If you're using the King James, it says, thou shalt not kill. And some versions have it, you shall not murder. Some have it, thou shalt not kill. But why the difference in the translations? Why does the King James, which many of us have used for our lives and memorized, why does it say thou shalt not kill? But then the other translations, some of them say, you shall not murder. Well, the word in Hebrew... That's translated kill and murder literally means premeditated, planned, deliberate, intentional, unauthorized murder. You see, there is a difference between killing and murder. And it's a difference we must not miss because if we get that messed up, it's going to really impact our understanding of this command. You see, this command, listen, it does not forbid all killing but it does forbid all murder. You say, what in the world are you talking about, preacher? Well, hopefully, by the time we're done today, you're going to see a distinction between killing and murder. So let's just dive right in. Let's talk about, first of all, today, what this command is not talking about. What this command is not talking about. Now, lots of questions come to the surface when this command is quoted. 
Some people try to get this command to say what it never says and to mean what it has never meant. This command, first of all, is not talking about, it's not talking about a nation going to war. There are those who would say, well, listen, uh, thou shalt not kill, you shall not murder, so we should not go to war. Listen, this is not talking about a nation going to war. Old J. Vernon McGee. And I can hear his voice now. I've been on the radio for so many years. He's in heaven now. He wisely pointed out that this command is given to the individual, not to a nation. Notice it says, you shall not murder. Thou shalt not kill. You cannot get around the fact, beloved, that the Bible is a bloody book. There's a bloody book. God commanded that nations and people be put to death. You go back and read the Old Testament. And you see God commanding that people be put to death. Think about Joshua as they went up to take the promised land. Look at David, who was a man of war. And if that's not enough in the Old Testament, look ahead in the New Testament to what is coming in the final days. And you see blood flowing as the final showdown takes place upon our earth. Ecclesiastes 3.8 says there's a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war. And a time of peace. Those who fight a just war are not murderers. They're not breaking the sixth command. You shall not murder. It's not talking about that. Secondly, it's not talking about a government exercising capital punishment. It's not talking about a government exercising capital punishment. Now, where do we get the idea of capital punishment? Well, Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. By the way, I'm going to give you a lot of references today. I would encourage you to jot these down for your own study later. You can grab one of those care cards there and jot these down. Genesis 9, 6 says this. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for, for in the image of God he made him. That's the beginning of what we know as capital punishment. You say, well, wait a minute. Not today, preacher. I mean, we're living in, in modern days. We're living in 2011. We're living here. We don't do that anymore. And maybe that's your personal conviction. Well, go to Romans 13 and you'll read these words in verses 1 through 4. Romans 13, 1 through 4. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So all authority is God given. Government was ordained of God. The family was ordained of God. The church was ordained of God. Those authorities are ordained of God. Verse 2 in Romans 13 says, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now listen, verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do you want to live without having to be fearful of the authority? Be fearful of the police. Be, be fearful of being caught. He says there in verse 3, do what is good and you'll have praise from the same. But listen to verse 4. For he is God's minister to you for good. You ever thought about that? These government authorities, the police, all those, they're God's ministers. Look, listen to verse 4. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. Now, listen to the next part. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. 
You see, capital punishment is not our idea. God laid it down back in Genesis. And there Paul in the book of Romans talks about the fact that a government, those authorities that are in power are there by God's authority and they execute wrath and punishment upon those. So it's not talking about going to war and it's not talking about capital punishment. Likewise, it's not talking about manslaughter. Now, manslaughter, of course, is accidentally taking the life of somebody else. Any of us could be guilty of that. Do you ever realize that? We could go out this afternoon and be driving along and accidentally kill someone. Not with intent, not with evilness in our heart, just accidentally killing somebody. God addressed that in Deuteronomy 19, 4 and 5. He said in Deuteronomy 19, 4 and 5, and this is the case of the manslayer who flees there that he may live. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in time past, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber and his hand swings a stroke of the axe to cut down the tree and the head slips from the handle and strikes the neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of these cities and live. You remember they had the cities of refuge. And the manslayers, those who accidentally killed people, they would run to the cities of refuge. They would be safe there as long as they remained in those cities. So that is not breaking the sixth commandment because that's accidental. So it's not talking about a nation going to war. It's not talking about a government exercising uh, capital punishment. It's not talking about accidentally killing someone, being guilty of manslaughter. Likewise, it's not talking about defending yourself. Some say, well, what what if I'm defending myself? What if I'm defending my family? And that that requires me. I'm forced to kill someone. They're coming at me. They're going to shoot me or my family. And I shoot them first. Am I breaking the sixth commandment? Well, jot this reference down. Exodus 22.2. Exodus 22.2. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. Now, listen, if you try to kill me or my family, you get shot. Don't blame me. Because God gives us the authority to defend ourselves. And, and I know you mean you would defend your family. You would defend your children, all of you. And God, listen, you're not breaking the sixth commandment. Now, I would suggest shooting them in the leg, wounding them. But if you have to defend yourself to the death, you're not breaking the sixth commandment. Now, I'm not encouraged to go try to find that, but... If it happens, stop talking about that. Likewise, I thought you were talking about some heavy stuff today. It's not talking about killing animals. Killing animals. There are those who would try to take this verse and say we should never kill an animal. Uh, let me give you some scripture on that. Genesis 9, 1 through 3, first of all. Genesis 9, 1 through 3. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the field and every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth and all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Now, listen to verse three, Genesis nine, three. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. And so if, if you're a meat eater. Great. We're going to give you another reference. First Timothy four, one through five. First Timothy four, one through five. Now, the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Listen to verse three, forbidding to marry 
and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And all the hunters said, Amen. (laughs) So if you're against that, you can't use the sixth commandment. It does not apply. This is not what it's talking about. It's not talking about a nation going to war. Even God commanded war. It's not talking about exercising capital punishment. God commanded that. It's not talking about manslaughter. God made provision for that. It's not talking about defending yourself. God talks about that. It's not talking about killing animals. So do you see the difference between killing and murder? There is a difference between killing and murder. So that's what it does talk about. Now, here's the question today. What is this command talking about? What exactly is God saying when he says here in the Bible, Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder. What is he saying? Well, let's talk about that. This command is talking about murder. And I want to consider murder under two broad headings today, because this command really applies in two areas. First of all, let's talk about the acts of murder, ACTS, the acts of murder. You know, murder comes in many different shapes and forms, many different titles. Let's just talk about quickly what some of the things will be forbidden. First of all, homicide. Homicide is simply what? Taking somebody else's life, unjustly killing someone, killing somebody else off. And so you go out and you kill somebody. Now, murder is as old as humanity, right? Go back to the very first murder where Cain killed his brother because God rejected the offering that he brought because he didn't bring it according to God's instruction. And God tries to warn him and say, hey, do right and you'll be received. But instead, he rises up in anger and he kills his brother. Homicide is forbidden. You shall not murder. Secondly, genocide. Genocide is killing off groups of people, maybe based on their race, based on their nationality, based on their political views. Genocide is forbidden in this. Killing off a group of people saying, listen, because they're this color, because they believe this way, let's kill them. You shall not murder. Now, most people agree with those. Most people. But now we get to the controversial one. This next one, I think most people would agree with, but some maybe wouldn't. The third one is it forbids suicide. It forbids suicide. What is suicide? It's self-murder. It's killing yourself. Now, let me go ahead and deal with something that I know some struggle with. I know I think of a family that for years struggle with this. If a Christian, for whatever reason, commits suicide, that person does not lose their salvation. If they're born again, they go to heaven. Now, God does not condone what they've done. They've ended their life. But there are those who used to teach, maybe still teach, that a man kills himself, a woman kills himself. They've lost their salvation. Listen, they were saved. They're saved. You're eternally saved. But suicide. This command says you shall not murder. You don't murder yourself. Assisted suicide. The doctor, what, Kevorkians of our world, those who say, listen, I understand you're struggling, so let me help you kill yourself. Listen, that person's a murderer. You shall not murder. Assistant suicide. Now we deal with the really controversial ones. This also forbids abortion. Killing innocent, unborn children. 
Listen, I'm not going to bring the graphic details. I, I read some this past week of just how gruesome this practice is going on in the first, second, third trimester. And I want to say those who do such things, these, these doctors, if we dare call them that, the things that I read of what they do to these babies, they are brutal murderers. Brutal murderers. And God's word says you shall not murder. And I know there are those who would disagree with me, but I think scripture is clear. They were to respect life and life begins at the moment of conception. And that life is a person in the womb, not just a choice, not just an inconvenience, but a human being. And we respect life. Next, euthanasia. And I'll be honest with you, euthanasia is one that's very scary to me. And I could very easily, and euthanasia, euthanasia is, is killing off the aged, killing off the infirmed, killing off the diseased, killing off the handicapped, those who are a drain on our society and a drain on our health care system and, and just a drain on our lives. We're, we're sick of dealing with these people, so we put them to death. And it's very scary to me because in our nation that so devalues life. I wonder if there might come a day where instead of a medical procedure to correct a problem, they simply put you to death or put me to death. God's word says you shall not murder. Any form of unjustly taking of life is forbidden by the sixth commandment. Whatever that is, whatever you want to call it, God's word forbids it. That's the acts of murder. But there's a second part of this, and that is the attitude, the attitude of murder. I know a lot of you know the name Jerry Clower. Uh, Melvin Newland tells a story about the comedian Jerry Clower. His son was out playing football. He was the field goal kicker on the high school football team. And one day his son had a chance to, to kick a goal that would give his team the lead and perhaps win the game. But the kick went wide of the goal. He missed it. Well, a man about four rows up from Jerry, they're watching the game that they begin heckling loudly, loudly. Who's the kicker anyway? He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn with a football. And he went on and on and on ridiculing Jerry's son. And, and Jerry's sitting there about four rows up. You know, he just, he just said, he just can't take it anymore. Clower said, I took all of it I could. I made my way through the crowd, sat down next to the guy, looked him right in the eye and said, you need to thank Jesus that you're still alive. <laughs> the guy says, what do you mean? He says, that's my son you're ridiculing. And the only reason you're not dead right now is because I'm a Christian and Jesus won't let me kill you. <laughs> Maybe some of you have been there at the ball games and you felt the same way. There, there's more to the sixth commandment than just the act of murder. And this is where it begins to hit all of us squarely in the, between the eyes. There's the attitude behind it. There's an attitude of the heart. I didn't ask you to turn to the other passages, but I'd ask you to turn to Matthew 5, please. Matthew 5. If you would go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Now, I think a lot of us would agree with what we talked about so far. Maybe some would not. But when we get to this part, we're really confronted in a way that makes us sit up in our seats and take notice. 
Matthew chapter 5, the Lord Jesus is speaking here. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 21, the Bible says, Jesus says, Matthew 5, 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. So he goes back to the command. Now notice the next part. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Then look at Matthew 15. Same book, Matthew 15, verse 19. The Lord Jesus speaking again. Matthew 15, verse 19. Matthew 15, 19 says, for out of the heart. Proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness and blasphemies. If you want to turn to one more, first, John three, 15, you don't have to turn there. But if you'd like to turn to first, John chapter three, verse 15, I'll give you one more passage. We'll talk about this. First, John, chapter three, verse 15. The Bible says in first John chapter three, verse 15, I want you to catch this, beloved. First John three fifteen. whoever hates his brother. Now listen, first John three fifteen. whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, listen, we have the letter of the law. You shall not murder. We're clear on that. God does not want us to go out and murder anyone today. But we understand that. But now we talk about the the attitude, the spirit of the law. We may not murder people with our hands. We may not take a gun or a knife or whatever and murder someone, but we can murder them in our hearts. The attitude. We can murder people with our thoughts. We can murder people with our mouths. One author said, I thought it was so good. Anger is only one letter short of danger. Because danger always lurks beneath anger. You might be able to disguise it temporarily, but if anger is brewing inside of you, it will lead to danger. For murder begins where? It begins where? God, Jesus said what? In the heart. And so that hatred and that anger that you allow to fest in your heart can boil up and literally even lead to murder. Just like the two ladies in the opening illustration, the opening story. Those two ladies would have never admitted, I'm sure, that over something as petty as being cut off in traffic, that one would be shot dead in the face. You see, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. We have to be careful about the attitude of the heart. Let me ask you today, are you allowing in your heart hatred towards somebody? Bitterness towards somebody? You need to bring that to God. You need to find forgiveness. That that hard attitude needs to be taken care of. Because the Bible is very clear. If we hate our brother, we are a murderer. The spirit of the law. Well, very quickly, we need to consider a third thing. And then we're done today. We consider what it doesn't mean, what it does mean. And now the third thing is why we should obey this command. Why should we obey this command? Let me give you two or three reasons here and then we're done. Number one. Because the command is clear. 
I've said that pretty much with all the commands. Why should we obey? Because God commanded. That's enough. But let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. Secondly, because of the sacredness of human life. You know, each year we have a Sunday we dedicate as the sanctity of human life. Life is sacred. Why? Let me give you three reasons real quick. Number one, life is a gift from God. Life is a gift from God. Jot this reference down. Genesis 2, 7. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Life is a gift from God. Don't buy that. Boys and girls, don't buy this. They're selling you about you crawling up out of some slime pit somewhere or you're some monkey that got smart. God created you. God gave you life. Life is a gift from God. It's sacred. It's holy. It's right. It's a gift. Secondly, we're made in God's image. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created man in his own image In the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. We're made in God's image. So when you were to, to if you were to go and kill someone, you're killing one that's made in God's image. You're sinning against God. Third. God is the one with the authority to give life. And to take life. God is the one with the authority to give life and to take life. Jot this reference down. 1 Samuel 2.6. 1 Samuel 2.6 says the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. I remember sitting in my study one day at another pastorate. A young man had come to me. He was considering suicide. Now, I want to be honest with you. You want to talk about a very serious conversation. You sit down with a person that's considering suicide, taking their own life. And I remember sitting down with a young man. He was not in our church. He had been referred to me by someone in our church. I had never met the young man before that I remember. And I never talked to him since. I really don't know what happened to him. But I remember talking to him that day and I remember telling him, you don't have the authority to take your life. See, God is the one who gives life. God is the one who takes life. God is the one that's in charge of our lives. And by the way, he's in charge from the beginning to the end. No matter how long we may try to prolong our lives and when our day comes, God will take us. I think about those couples who strive and struggle throughout their married lives to have children, yet... They cannot. You see, God is the one that gives life and God is the one who takes life. Now, we've covered a lot of ground today and I've covered some heavy stuff. And I hope today you not only understand what the command means, but you know how it applies. You see, my, my true desire today is this. I want to encourage you to always choose life in every area to choose life. I want to encourage you to, to remind you just how precious life is, how awesome life is, how, how wonderful life is. Listen, you're alive today. You're alive. Uh, everybody here, I don't see anybody that's not alive. You might be barely alive, but you're alive. <laughs> you're breathing. Your, your heart is pumping. Your, your lungs are working. I know you have ailments. I know you have problems. All of us do. But listen, we're alive. Today And God has given us life and life is precious. And it's so precious. God says, you shall not murder. You shall not unjustly take life. You, you shall not treat life cheaply. Now, what about you? 
What, what is your take on life then? I mean, are you feasting on, on the, the manna of death and gore and horror? Are you being careful that your children aren't playing games that promote a, a, a devaluing of life? Are you careful to, to realize just how, how precious life is, a gift from God, that, that, that we're made in God's image, that, that God is the one with the authority to give life and to take life? Are you choosing life? Are you choosing life? Well, but one more thing and we're done. Listen, while earthly life is precious, man, I love it, don't you? Beats the alternative, doesn't it? This is not all there is. This is not all there is. Earthly life is not all. You may be the oldest person that ever lives, and I don't know who the oldest person is now, but I'm sure they're not over 115 years old. There's coming a day when this life, our earthly journey, our earthly life is going to end. But there's a life after this life. Listen, everyone needs new life in Christ. You need to be saved, friend. You need eternal life. Listen to what John 3.16 says. I know it's a familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting what? Life. By the way, everlasting life begins the moment. Eternal life begins the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as Savior. You're eternally alive. Now, now they'll put our body in a grave one day, unless the Lord comes first. But you have eternal life. By the way, you're enjoying eternal life today. Do you know Jesus? Do, do you know Jesus? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That's why we have death, because of sin. The greatest murder of all time was Jesus Christ. Now, he, he voluntarily submitted to it. He had all authority. He could have, he could have called angels. He could have spoke the word out of existence. But he voluntarily laid down his life for you and for me. The Bible says if you repent of your sin, if you'll turn to Christ from your sin and place your faith totally and completely in Jesus Christ, he will save you. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. And he will give you eternal Life. This life is not all there is. And this life is fragile. We're reminded of that every day, aren't we? People that pass. Our prayer list grows. There are people whose earthly lives hang in the balance. None of us are promised tomorrow. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what they may bring forth. Listen, make sure that you know Jesus Christ. Make sure your sin is forgiven. Make sure you have eternal life. Listen, I love life. I do. I love life. But if the Lord were to call me home today, I'm ready. My sin is forgiven. It's well with my soul. Can you say that today? That's only by the grace of God. That's not me. I'm not worthy of the lead. I'm not even worthy of this life. Not even worthy of the good things of this life. But Jesus says, listen, I love you so much. I give you this life. I give you abundant life. I give you joy here. And I give you eternal life forever with me in heaven. Do you have that today, friend? Do you have life? I want to encourage you as we close to choose life. That begins ultimately by choosing to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you have a life today? And do you value life today? Father, we love you. We honor and adore and praise you. We thank you for life. 
And Father, we've dealt with some very difficult things today. And Lord, in the midst of this, we rejoice in the fact that we know now why you gave this command. Because you are the author, the giver of life. You value life. We're made in your image. And you have the authority to give life and to take life. Now, Father, I pray right now. I know there are some in a crowd this size who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray, Lord, you would work in their hearts and bring them to saving faith this hour. I pray that you would give them courage to step out and allow somebody to take a Bible and share the gospel and answer their questions. I pray, Lord, that you would work and move in this place and help us all, always, to choose life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn today, number 458, Nearer My God to Thee, Nearer to Thee. And as we sing, the altar's open. You need to be saved today. Would you step out where you are? Would you come down and walk around this to somebody? We'll take a Bible and share with you the gospel. And you can have new life and get yourself. Would you do that? And maybe you're already saved today, but the Lord's going to your heart about something. Maybe you've been deep value in life. Would you come today and get that right? Maybe there's a hatred or bitterness in your heart today, and you know that God is clear. Jesus is clear. That's not the big. Would you come give that to Him today and leave this place with a clean heart and clean hands, rejoicing in life? 458, let's stand and sing, Mirror My God. Oh, <laughs>